And this morning when I got up, I got up somewhat early this morning and I like to check the temperatures and saw what it was here. And then I saw what it was in Edmonton. With, if I haven't told you, have a guess. Minus 46. That's not the wind chill. That's the temperature. And they're online watching. It's a summer's day down here. I think that today I'm going to be preaching to a lot of people online watching by looking at the numbers here this morning, which is absolutely fine. It's absolutely fine. We're in a mini-series. I guess it's a mini-series talking about, um, you know, sometimes when the new year comes, we want to rush into the new year, right, with our plans. And last week at the beginning of this series, I, I, I said, we need to stop. Sometimes we go to God with our prayers, God, you know, and our goals and our fears and everything about us that we look forward to or fear in the new year. And we pray to God about those things. And we don't stop sometimes just to stop and, and ask God, what are your plans? What are your goals for me this year? What are your plans for me this year? So last year, last year, last week, two weeks ago it was last year, we talked about God Please slow me. Now, this, this series that I'm doing, it, it, it's going to be either three or four parts. I don't know. There's four parts to it. I might do two next week. Um, I want to give Scott Joy, my old pastor up in Canada, credit for this. It was a, a devotional that he took Sandra and I and a group of small group leaders on. Do you remember what year I asked you last? 19, 1997. And... So impactful that when I told Sandra the other day, I said, you know, I'm going to do that stuff that that Scott did with us. T-A-W-G, time alone with God. And she just pulled out the notes. She didn't have to go look for them. She had the notes because it's part of her life. So step one, we ask the Lord to slow us. By asking the Lord to slow us, we're admitting that the pace of life is dangerous to our spiritual health. By asking the Lord to, to slow us, we are we're inviting him to restore our spiritual perspective. I need to tune into your voice, God. I need you to slow me. Get away from all the pace of life. I need to hear your voice. And, you know, I, I gave a challenge. I mean... Probably one of the best New Year's resolutions that you could do this year is, God, I need to hear you more clearly. My goal for this year is to hear you more clearly. Now, you can go into our website um, in the app, Facebook page, and, and get last week's service if you want to catch up. Step two this morning, the next step is that we ask God to know me. That's the premise. If you remember last week, we talked about a premise, a principle, a purpose, a prayer, and a prompt. The premise is the idea, the big picture. The, the principle is the scriptural backing. The purpose is, why does this matter to me? The prayer is the relationship with, with us and God. God, why are you bringing this to my attention? And of course, the prompt. What is the prompt? What is the Holy Spirit saying? How do I respond to what I learned to today? So, the premise this morning, ask God to know me. So, slow me, know me. 
asking God to know me is, is not so much a request. You know, when you put the word ask in front of something, it sounds like a request, right? It, it's more of an, an a, it's a confession and an acknowledgement. Whenever you read a question in the Bible, if God asks a question, it's not because God doesn't know the answer. He's not up there, you know, thinking, hmm, I wonder what Mike Bishop's thinking today. I wonder what's going on with him. God knows everything. When God asks a question, it's for the person that he is asking. He wants to reveal something to us. And sometimes the best way that we learn is by questioning ourselves. So if God asks you a question, he wants you to think about something. So it's a confession. I need the Lord to know me. Why? Because I don't know me. Anyone relate to that? I mean, a lot of, I think we all, most of us think that we're self-aware. My wife knows me better than anybody. Sometimes I'll be doing something or something will happen. She knows how I'm going to respond to it before I know how I'm going to respond to it because she spends more time around me than anybody else. We need to be known and we need to know. Now, there's a wonderful passage of scripture in Romans 7 that talks about this not knowing who I am. It's Paul. And it's just a great passage. I'm going to read just a little bit of it to you. You can look it up later. And he says in verse 15 of chapter 7, I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. It's such a great thing because it's not just that, it's, it's not just that I don't do what I'm supposed to do. I do do what I'm not supposed to do. And he goes on to say, I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do. And then he talks about this war between the flesh, the human desire, and the spirit, and the spiritual desires. My human cravings versus my desire to serve and love God. They are at war. This happens to all of us. We're all in this war. And he says, I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. And he finishes up, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Why do I do these things? I don't know. Lord, help me. That's Paul. Now, I don't know about you. When Paul Probably the greatest evangelist that's ever lived writes that. Makes me feel a little bit better about me. Because I don't even see myself, I'm not in the same playing field as Paul. And if he's struggling with this stuff, it's like, thank you, God. I need that reassurance and I'm not the only one. I'm far from the only one. We need Jesus. I want to share a, a little story. I shared this at the men's breakfast yesterday. I'm not going to say the name. Who was at the breakfast? Anybody here? Yeah, we got one or two. I was watching. Uh, there, there's a pastor up in Nova Scotia called Reverend Ed Trevers that I sometimes watch his blog, his vlog. 
And he referred to a comedian that I like, and I'm not going to tell you the comedian's name, because if you go in there and watch the comedian, I won't be allowed to preach next week. <laughs> it sometimes crosses a line, <laughs> let's say that. And his language is flowery. <laughs> but I, I've, what caught my eye is, is that Ed Trevor's, you know, in the little blurb on YouTube, there's a, there's a heading puts the name of this comedian and says, maybe the greatest evangelist ever. Well, I've heard this comedian, and I'm thinking, nah. So I go in, and I listen to the thing that Ed Trevers talks about, and then I go online, and I watch the comedian. And this guy, he really is one of my favorite comedians because he talks about things in a manner that just lays everything bare. And he was bemoaning the fact that he's lost his faith. And in his story, he starts off talking about the Church of Scientology. And he says, oh, Scientology things. He said, I remember when, when I was younger, we used to think they were all nuts. He said, if you want to put it down to a, the simplest description of Scientology, one day they think a spaceship's going to come and take people away. And like, who believes that stupid stuff? And then he says, as I got older, then I started to think about my own faith. Hang on a minute. I believe in a, in a woman who never had sex, having a baby, who eventually walks on water and gives imaginary food, creates food to give to people. He said, all of a sudden it dawned on me, why do I think that that's rational, but that a spaceship is coming is not rational? In the scientific world, there's more likelihood of the spaceship than there is of this virgin giving birth to a baby. And he talks about how he lost his faith. But then he does this little blurb that is just a fantastic, it just, I loved what he said. He doesn't know that he's evangelizing. He says, I'm going to tell you the most arrogant thing I'm going to talk, say all night. He says, I hate the thought, I resent the thought that I'm going to be judged. He says, like, seriously, you made me. You made this. Why do you turn this around on me? Why is it my fault? And then he gives a little explanation. He says, you made, these are not the exact words that he used, good-looking woman. <laughs> made it hard, I can't do math. You made good-looking woman and, and something else. He said, why did you think this thing wasn't going to go off the rails? <laughs> like, seriously? He says, and I just resent the fact that, that I'm going to be judged. He said, if I had a car and the car wasn't working, I wouldn't cover it in gasoline and set it on fire and say, burn forever, you evil car. I hate you. He said, I wouldn't do that. I'd pop the hood. I'd take a look under the hood. I'd see if the battery was connected okay. I'd check some of the things out. If it wasn't something I could fix, I'd get someone in to fix it. He said, I wouldn't let it burn in forever. I'd try to fix the thing. And I thought, that is just the most wonderful explanation of this relationship that we have with God. And he's missed it. God just doesn't set us up and say, man, you're really flawed. Get out of here. Jesus comes and says, man, you're broken. How can I help you? I need you, Lord. I need you to know me. I need you to know my weaknesses because you're my only hope. See, the difference between religion and relationship. One binds you 
and one frees you. One wraps you with guilt and one frees you to grow. And sometimes we get wrapped up with religion and we miss the relationship. And that's what happened to this comedian. I hope one day he, he's able to turn it back around and take another look at it. He finished up saying, I wish I had something to believe in. Satan says, you're broken. You're a worthless piece of scum. Who could love you? Get over in the dark. Get over in the corner and get away from everybody. You don't need to be around everybody. You're disgusting. And Jesus says, you're broken. I love you. Come on out into the light. Let's take a look at that. Let's get that fixed. Let me help you. Here's the confession in this. Know me, Lord. I need your help. And here's the acknowledgement, the purpose. By asking God to know me, I'm acknowledging the fact that I desire a deep relationship with him. This is all about relationship. We've got to get past the guilt. We've got to get past the duty. We have to get past the judging and being judged. We must land on relationship to know and be known by the Lord. Intimacy at its absolute purest and best. It's what the Lord desires. And it needs to be what we desire. You see, when we invite the Lord to know us, we open ourselves up to him. It's like, here I am, Lord. He doesn't need the invitation. We do. I desire this, Lord. I'm broken. I need you. Please know me. Now, there's an absolutely wonderful psalm that covers this, and we're going to do the whole thing this morning. And here's what I'm going to do. It's in your bulletin, but I don't want you to look at your bulletin, okay? It's a prayer. It's a prayer of David's. So I'm going to read it as a prayer. I've taken out all of the verses on the screen. So I don't want you to look at anything. In fact, if you like, close your eyes. Because this is a prayer. And I'm going to read it as a prayer, okay? Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I am going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing upon my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. 
I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you. The enemies misuse your name. Oh Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred. For your enemies are my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. The whole thing, you can open your eyes. The whole thing is a passionate prayer. It's an acknowledgement that the Lord is all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful. But more than that, it's an acknowledgement that the Lord is all-present, all-knowing, and all-powerful in my life, in your life. Right in here, in the head, where we think, he knows it. In the heart, what we feel, he knows it. In our gut, what we believe, he knows it. I think it's a little unnerving, isn't it? That God, you know, you want to be known, but even my wife doesn't know everything about me. I mean, there are those parts of us, I think, that we just hold back from everybody. I don't want them to know this. And here David is saying, you know everything. Now think of this though. Who do you feel secure enough to want them to really know you? Your deepest thoughts, your deepest fears, your deepest hopes, your your pie-in-the-sky dreams, your greatest lows, your greatest highs, your greatest disappointments, your greatest failures, your struggles, your shame. Who do you feel secure enough to know you at that level? Maybe no one. But if you did, it would have to be someone you really trust. It would have to be someone who will accept you for who you really are. Someone whom you are convinced is in it for your good. 
Someone who will not use your weaknesses or your fears or your failures against you. Someone who genuinely loves you and wants the absolute best for you. When we invite God to know us, we are confessing to God, you are that someone. You're my someone, God. You're the one that I I need to open up my whole life to. Every part of me, I need you to know it. Here's the deal. We're broken, right? But I I believe, you know, trying to make sense of this world, you, you can't. We're not God. But I do believe that in our brokenness, only in our brokenness, can we really begin to understand the depths of God's love for us? I'm not sure that if we were never broken that we would truly get it. And I love what David has done here. So he begins by admitting God's omniscience, his omnipresence, his omnipotence. In the first couple of verses, he talks about you have, you know, you see, you go. You, got, you know everything, God. But rather than fearing those things and, and running and hiding, which he acknowledges would be useless, he interlaces his prayer with the acknowledgement of God's deep, deep love and provision. Verse 5, it says, you go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing upon my head. Now just think about this for a moment. Personalize this for yourself because it is for you that God's hand of blessing reaches out to your head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. Down in verse 9, he says, If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me. No matter where I go, you're guiding me, Father, and your strength will support me. Down to verse 13. I love this. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Now think about those words. Your workmanship is marvelous. What workmanship is he talking about? You. When the world comes to you and tells you you're not worthy... When Satan comes to you and tells you you're not worthy, when you come and tell you you know you are not worthy, you're his workmanship. It is marvelous. Thank you, God, for making who me who I am. I know I'm not perfect, God, and you know I'm not perfect, God. But thank you for making me who I am. I'm the exact person you made me to be. Warts and all. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was, past tense, Recorded in your book. Nothing that happens in your life takes God by surprise. 
He sees it all. He knows it all. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. The beautiful thoughts that God has of you cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. He's not abandoning us. You know, when I used to read this passage of Scripture, it's a a well-known passage of Scripture. I love it. I used to skip over verses 19, 20, 21, 22. Because they didn't seem to fit. Because David goes off into his David thing, which he often does. You know, you've got all this wonderful stuff about God, knowing us. And then, it's like a little bit of Davidness comes out in the psalm. Oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you. Your enemies misuse your name. Oh Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred. For your enemies are my enemies. It's like in the middle of it all, David has this little rant. But God knows David. Uh, You know, we, we, we read David's prayer a few weeks ago when the temple was going to be built. David wanted to build the first temple for the Lord. And the Lord came to him and said, you're not building it, David, because your life is filled with bloodshed. Even though you're a man after my heart and I love you, your life is filled with bloodshed. You go off the deep end, David. And I, and I think that's what's going on here. He's coming to God and he's got all this wonderful stuff about know me and, and search me and all that. And then those people, and, and, and then it's like there's a, oh, he comes back. Oh, that's me again. And then he acknowledges his need. It's like at that moment, it's like, ah. Because up until this point, he has been stating what we already know. God knows, God knows, God knows. You already know God. Then he has his little rant, and then he says, oh, please. Please come on in. You can see I need you. (laughs) Search me, oh God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. In essence, David is saying, I understand, Lord, that unless you really know me, you can't lead me. You can't take me down the path to wholeness. You have to know what's broken in order to fix it. And the Lord doesn't abandon us in his brokenness. He's, he's with us in our brokenness. He, he walks with us. He talks with us. He guides us. He leads us. He teaches us. He comforts us. Sometimes he rebukes us and corrects us in our brokenness. But most of all, he loves us. The prompt here, it's in your notes, let God love you. Let God love you. Every time you come up against an obstacle that tells you that you're unlovable, that is a lie from Satan. Jesus Christ died for your sins, every single one of them. And when we hold on to guilt, we're saying that Jesus' death on that cross wasn't quite enough. 
Yeah, kind of cleaned off most of it, but have you seen this bit, Jesus? You know what Jesus says? What bit? Once he's cleaned you up, you're clean. Yeah, but I sinned after I invited him into my life. He cleaned you for eternity. Let God love you. Let God search you. Open yourself to God. So I have homework for you. Short message, but homework. You probably wish we had a longer message and no homework. Go home and meditate on this psalm this week. Go through the whole thing. Put it in your outline there. Personalize it. Sons of Korah. Oh, I saw it. Yes. Yep. Sons of Korah. And what's the song called? Just Psalm 139. I thought it was going to search me. Psalm 139, Songs of Korah. I was this morning going through YouTube, listening to people singing this song. There's many out there. But meditate on it this week. Pray it for yourself. You don't even have to change any of the words. Like some of them are personalized. This one, you can just read it. It's already a prayer. Make it your prayer. God, slow me. Take away the busyness of the world so I can tune into your voice. Quiet my heart. God, know me. I invite you in. You don't need an invitation, but this is my acknowledgement that this is what I want. I want this relationship with you. Search me and show me. What do you think the next step is? Slow me. Know me. Show me. Next week. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this wonderful word in your word, this prayer of David's, this crying out to be known by our creator. I know so many, including myself, Father, we do things sometimes, we're broken. It's not an excuse, it's a reality. And sometimes in our shame or in our guilt, Sometimes in our pride, we separate ourselves from you. We want to run and hide from you. We want to hide our stuff. Father, I'm praying on behalf of everybody, including myself, those online, those who are here. Father, we need you to know our stuff. So that you can begin the work of making us whole, strengthening us, protecting and guiding us. Search us, O God, and know our hearts. Test us and know our anxious thoughts. Point out anything in us that offends you. 
and lead us along the path of everlasting life. Amen? Amen. Kyle, where are you, buddy? Thanks, Mike. All right. Can I get those who are going to take up the offering to come up here? Barry? I was asked to help, so I may have to multitask so if I don't have enough help here. But anyway, thanks, Mike, for that message. That was amazing. Um, I really enjoyed this series so far. I know those in my community group I shared on Thursday how impactful Stop was to me, um, which just means basically we're in such a hurry all the time to get to the next thing. And we have one thing in Christ which we could just meditate on, one piece of Scripture, one book of the Bible. There's 66 in there. It's a love letter written to you. And I know that, you know, personally, and I know those who have been called and who have accepted that call already understand. But if you've not accepted that call, if it's on your heart, online, here, wherever, today is a day of salvation. It's just simple. Lord, take me. Show me who you are. Demonstrate your power through my life. And watch him change. And you just say, Jesus, come. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise hands. I'm not doing an altar call. But if you want to pray, if you want to, to talk, we're here as a church for you guys. And by the way, my name's Kyle. I don't think I actually introduced myself in the beginning. But uh, we would just love to, to know you. Um, yeah. Okay, so Pastor Mike asked me to go ahead and lead the prayer. So if that's you, I'm going to go ahead and pray. You can pray these words. Make them your own. Um, Lord, we need you. Every one of us. Those that are saved, those that are being saved, whether we're in light or we're out of the light right now, Lord, there is no darkness in you. You are perfect light. We only hide because we're afraid. We're called to fear you, but Father, you tell us automatically in your scripture that when your spirit comes, there is no fear. Fear is a liar. It, it is just a, it's a fraud. It is not of you. Father, you are the holy of holies, the God of gods. And you've revealed yourself in the name of Jesus, in the person of Christ. You are both God and man. You are the mediator between a perfect, righteous God who is love, but also a God of holiness. And if you are not in Christ, you are separated. The Bible says you're alienated. You know, Ephesians chapter 2, if you pull it up in the Bible, it tells us right there. But the good news is, here's the great news. Don't walk out of here with guilt. Don't feel that pressure that I've got to do something to earn it. It's by grace you are saved. Through faith alone. No works. No man, no woman, no one can boast. Call on the name of Jesus. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth and you'll be saved. And then you can join a group, then you can join a mission, and God will give you the equipment necessary through the power of his Holy Spirit to live out that life of faith and to go to eternal life. This isn't it, guys. This is just the beginning. Uh, The Cowboys start today, and I'm thankful for that. But you know what? We have a bigger Super Bowl to win for my football fans. Eternal life. So go be a soul maker or a soul grabber through the name of Christ. If you pray that prayer in your heart, Online or in your seat or later on a a recording, you're saved. Don't listen to the lies any longer. Get into a community group. We have plenty of them here at Lakeway. I'll get into that at the end. God wanted me to share that. Um, But anyway, that's it. I ask all that in the name of Jesus. Amen.
So see how I personalize that? 